I salute you this morning in the name of our bishop and the high priest of our profession, the Lord Jesus Christ. Open your Bibles with me to John chapter 5 for a few opening verses of Scripture in which he glorifies himself as being equal to his Father in many respects of our salvation. John chapter 5. Some favorite verses, wonderful verses. I was 20 years of age, 19 or 20, when the Lord showed me a verse that I'm about to read to you in clarity and power, and how wonderful it was to understand the truth about our regeneration or being born again. The Lord Jesus Christ is defending himself against Jews that sought to kill him, verse 18, because he had said that God was his father, making himself equal with God, and it goes on to describe, he goes on to describe some of the ways in which he was equal to his father, and that things that had been the prerogative of his father were now his, because they had been given to him, the Son of Man. I start at verse 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word, and believeth on him that sent me, hath everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming, and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. For as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself, and hath given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in the which all that are in the graves shall hear his voice, and shall come forth, they that have done good unto the resurrection of life. And they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. Amen and amen. Verse 24 has several phases of salvation in it. He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me. Those are present tense verbs of hearing the gospel, the preaching of Jesus, and believing it. In the present tense, half everlasting life. That is present tense possession of everlasting life. He doesn't get it because of the hearing and the believing. He's in possession of it. And shall not come into condemnation. That's a future deliverance at the judgment seat of the Lord Jesus Christ. But is passed from death unto life. When we have an is passed, that's a present perfect description of an event that was performed in the past and is still completed in the present. Because notice the word past, P-A-S-S-E-D, that's past tense, and it's got the verb helper is, which is the present, is past. In the present, they've already been past in order to hear and to believe. And we see that in this one verse, and we know that it's confirmed by other verses, especially by this gospel writer in his first epistle. You better hear the word of God today and believe it, to show that you are in possession of everlasting life, to show that you shall be delivered in the day of condemnation of other men, 
and that you have been passed, that's how we would say the present perfect tense today, have been passed from death unto life. Now this death that is here in verse 24 is spiritual death because of the context of hearing and believing the gospel and having already been passed. Because it's not eternal death that we're being delivered from. It's the present situation of us being delivered from death in trespasses and sins. And in light of that, the next verse. Another verily, verily. That double verily used by the Lord Jesus Christ in this gospel only. 25 times in this gospel to get our attention about the importance of what he is teaching. The hour is coming and now is. It had already begun. When the dead, that is the spiritually dead of the death of verse 24, shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. Now the hearing in verse 24 is an active hearing because it involves believing. It's hearing Jesus preach the gospel and believing that gospel. In verse 25, it's a passive hearing where God, through Jesus Christ, gives life. Now we know that by comparing the hearing and the speaking and the voice in verse 25 with that in verses 28 and 29 where there's another resurrection compared. In verse 28 it says, Marvel not at this, what I just told you about my voice in verse 25, for the hour is coming, it isn't now because I'm not raising all men from their graves now, but it's coming in the future in the which all that are in the graves shall hear his voice. And those bodies and corpses decayed and corrupted and carried away by worms and birds do not respond actively, but they respond passively as they're commanded to come into life by the voice, the life-giving voice of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we understand verse 25 being regeneration by the power of the life-giving voice of the Son of God. When Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus didn't lie there in that tomb and think about whether he wanted to obey Jesus or not. That voice gave him life and called him forth out of that tomb. Just as he will all the dead, wicked and righteous, in the day that's coming very soon. Every cemetery is going to be relieved of all of its corpses. When the Lord Jesus Christ says, come forth. And so in verse 25, we understand that we are born again by the voice of the Son of God. That is not the voice of a preacher about the Son of God. That's not a child evangelist about the Son of God. That is the voice of the Son of God. Because notice, there is a comparison being made with verse 25 and verse 28. It is the voice of the Son of God that will raise the dead bodies in the great day of His coming. It won't be a child evangelist. It won't be a parent. It won't be a pastor. It won't be a priest or a pope. It will truly be the voice of the Son of God, and there will be no helpers. He will give life by His voice. And so this beautiful parallelism, this beautiful comparison and contrast we have here, verse 25 is called the first resurrection in Revelation chapter 20, where it says, Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death shall have no power. That's regeneration. And then we have the resurrection of all dead bodies in verses 28 and 29. And I would like to remind you of what verse 29 tells us. And shall come forth. They that have invited Jesus into their hearts, 
unto the resurrection of life? No. They that have accepted Jesus as their personal Savior unto the resurrection of life? No. They that have been baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins? No. They that have been baptized as infants in the Catholic Church, the Presbyterian Church, Lutheran Church, Methodist Church, Episcopal Church? No. They that have done good. And if you don't like the terminology, you don't like the Bible and the true doctrine of salvation. The The true doctrine of salvation puts all the power, the source, the basis, and the person of regeneration in the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 25. It puts the power of the resurrection of dead bodies all in the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 28. But in verse 29, it describes another evidence. Verse 24 had some evidence. We hear the gospel. We believe the gospel. But verse 29 tells us we do the gospel. And if I do not emphasize that today, I am a false teacher. Because I am partial in the Word of God. It is not so important that we understand how we're born again. It is not so important that we understand when we're born again. It is not so important that we understand what it is to be born again. What's important is, are we born again? How do we know if we're born again? We hear the gospel, we believe the gospel, and we do the gospel. One of my favorite documents of our multiple thousands on our website is one entitled Salvation by Works. I wish you would look it up and see how it approaches that subject. Because we do not earn our way to heaven by our works, but we sure do show the evidence of eternal life by our works. Jesus said, and there's so many verses that could be quoted at this moment, Jesus said, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. That is what we want to emphasize. And so I want you to understand that verse 29, we cannot race over it when it says they that have done good. That is not Jesus doing good for them. That's not imputed righteousness. That is them obeying. Because that is the evidence of those that will be received at his right hand as his sheep. Because remember, when he puts the sheep at his right hand, he acknowledges their good works of charity and love shown toward the least of my brothers and sisters that believe in me. It's all consistent in the Word of God. The devils believe and tremble, but the devils do not do good. Do you want to distinguish yourself today from devils? Then let's hear the gospel, let's believe the gospel, and let's do the gospel. What a wonderful passage of Scripture. Verse 24 tells us that hearing and believing is evidence of work already done in a child of God. Verse 25 tells us it is the life-giving, powerful, creative voice of the Lord Jesus Christ that regenerates us, the same voice that will be used to get all the bodies out of cemeteries and crematoriums, and those that will be received at His right hand are those that obey the Father in heaven. That's the full gospel, and I want to preach the full gospel to you today. And I hope that we will always keep our priorities right in this church, that while we're thankful to know the details of how, when, and by whom we are born again, that we recognize the most important thing is the evidence of it. And that we will hear, believe, and live it, and do good as measured by God and taught to us in the Word of God. 
He lit my life up when I was 19 or 20 years old with verse 25. You've heard about it before. Not all of you have heard it, but most of you have heard about it before. I thank him through Jesus Christ and by the Holy Spirit for opening my eyes to see the power of John 5.25 in comparison to 28 and 29. I hope that some of you young men will lay hold of this parallelism of the voice of the Son of God having two resurrections, one a spiritual resurrection in verse 25 and a physical bodily resurrection in verse 28. They're both by the voice of the Son of God. They're not by preachers' voices. They're by the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Father in heaven, O Lord, we thank Thee that as You raise up the dead, as You raised up the dead before the Lord Jesus Christ, even so He quickeneth whom He will. According to the 21st verse in this chapter, we bless and we praise Thee for the Lord Jesus Christ to whom You have given life and authority and the power to execute judgment. And O Lord, You call through Him, Your chosen people, into life. We thank Thee that You have shown to us the phases of salvation, that You chose us in Christ before the world began, that Jesus died for us on the cross of Calvary 2,000 years ago, that sometime between conception and death, You call us into spiritual life called regeneration or being born again, that You send the Gospel to us by beautiful feet that have preached the truth, and that you will one day glorify us in heaven with your beloved Son. We thank thee for these things. We thank thee for the knowledge of these things. But Lord, even more than the knowledge of these things, we're thankful that you have worked in us a salvation, both to will and to do, of your good pleasure, and that it is our duty, with fear and trembling, to work out that salvation according to Your Word. Help us this day, Heavenly Father, to rejoice with trembling about how You have saved us, but to also rejoice with trembling on how we can prove our salvation and make our calling and election sure. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for the Lord Jesus Christ who sits at Thy right hand and has that life-giving, all-powerful voice that is able to raise the dead spiritually and raise the dead corporally. We bless and praise Thee. We thank Thee for His finished work on the cross. We thank Thee that He is risen from the dead, reigning at Thy right hand and returning for us soon. Heavenly Father, bless us by Your Holy Spirit. Without Your Spirit, we can do nothing. We pray for the power of Pentecost to fall upon us this day, to be in us, and around us to guide our minds and our thoughts, our hearts and our affections into your word and toward your son. Let us lift him up today. Let the truth prevail. Let error be crushed. Let us trample it underfoot and constantly remember, let us, O Lord, love him and serve him who first loved us and gave himself for us. We thank thee for this assembly. We thank Thee for saving us. We thank Thee that we are Your children. We thank Thee, Lord of heaven and earth, that Thou art our Father. Now be with us, Lord, and be with all the churches of saints throughout the world, blessing them with the same blessing that we ask for ourselves. 
that the word of the Lord might have free course and be glorified, that the Lord Jesus Christ will be made manifest to His children. Be with our nation, preserve and keep it. O Lord, protect it from enemies within and without. Heavenly Father, we supplicate and intercede on behalf of our rulers that you will stand in for them, that Michael and Gabriel and any other angels assigned to this nation will preserve us from the princes of America. Heavenly Father, keep this nation. Preserve it for the sake of our children, our children's children and their children, that we might continue to worship thee with the liberty we have today that we have had for so long until Jesus Christ comes for us. Forgive us our sins. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness for not living worthy of that great name by which we are called. Bless those that are newly baptized and members with us that this day will be a great day to be in the house of the Lord with us, especially as we sit together around the table of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank Thee for all that Thou hast done, art doing, and will do. Through the Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray, Amen.